You're listening to Midi Storytime, part of the Spare Change Library. This week we're reading the latest chapter of The Bride of the Tomb by Mrs. Alex McVeigh Miller. Chapter 32 It was rather an embarrassing position to be placed in both for Lancelot and the handsome widow. After some little desultory conversation, they both relapsed into silence and walked soberly on their way. Mrs. Vance at length broke the silence in a low and very faltering voice. Lance, she murmured, I must avail myself of this, the only opportunity I have had to crave your pardon and forgetfulness for a confession which I too sadly remember with blushes of shame for my madness and folly. Forgive me for recurring to that moment of frenzy and shame. I only do so to entreat your pardon and crave your forgetfulness. He felt the small hand trembling within his arm where it rested like a fluttering bird. Looking down in the brilliant moonlight, he saw tears shining like drops of dew on her down-drooped lashes. He did not answer, and she continued in a voice full of sadness and shame. Words cannot paint my grief and shame for that deeply deplored confession. Not shame that I love you, Lance, but shame that in an hour of impulsive and passionate abandonment I showed you the secret of my heart and gained in return your bitterest scorn. No, no, you mistake me, dear madam, said he, struggling for words to reassure her. It was not scorn, it was grief that moved me to speak as I did. I felt your words dimly as an outrage on the modesty of womanhood. Oh, forgive me, I do not know how to express myself, cried he, feeling himself floundering into deeper depths with every effort he made to extricate himself. You express yourself only too clearly, she cried with inexpressible bitterness. I see that my fault will never be forgiven or forgotten. Oh, oh, indeed it will, cried Lance eagerly, trying to condone his offensive words. What I meant to say was this. I felt very badly over your words at first, but since I have seen how much you regret your rashness, I have ceased to consider it anything but a momentary indiscretion, which I trust soon to wholly forget, when you will again be reinstated in my whole confidence and respect. Oh, thank you, thank you, she cried, chafing at the coldness of his words, but trying to content herself, since she could extract no kinder speech from him. Believe me, Lance, I will try to merit your confidence, and no indiscretion of mine shall wound you again. And we will drop that subject forever, will we not? said he, leading her up the hotel steps and into the warm-lighted parlor. Forever, she answered with a quivering sigh. He drew forward a chair before the glowing coal fire and led her to it. You must feel tired and cold after your long walk, he said. I will have something warm sent in while I inquire about the sleigh. He went away, and directly a neat serving-maid entered, bearing a tray of warm refreshments. Mrs. Vance drank some coffee, but had no appetite for the viands, warm and delicious as they appeared, so the maid, with a courtesy, took the tray and retired. She waited some time before Lance returned. He came in looking pale and troubled. It is too bad, he said in a tone of vexation, but Dabney's sleigh, which I counted on confidently as being available, was hired out in the earlier part of the evening to a couple of young fellows off on a lark into the country. They will not return until tomorrow evening. Then what are we to do? she asked. The young fellow smothered some sort of a vexed ejaculation between his mustached lips. We are to be patient, he answered grimly. Dabney knows a man a mile away from here who keeps a sleigh. He is sent off on the mere chance of its being at home to secure it for us. He went out and left her sitting before the fire, gazing into the glowing coals thoughtfully. After he had gone, she took out her watch and looked at it. Twelve o'clock, she repeated to herself, putting the watch quietly back. Lance returned after an hour of patient waiting, accompanied by Mr. Dabney himself. We have been very unfortunate indeed in being unable to secure you a conveyance of any sort tonight, madam, he said courteously. It is now after one o'clock and all efforts have failed. Would it please you to retire and wait until morning? We will then provide comfortable means for your return. She looked at Lance timidly. It is the only thing to be done, he answered moodily. 
I would walk to the city myself if it were the slightest use, but I am an indifferent walker and could not possibly get back here till long after daylight. So the only course I see open is to wait for a sleigh which is promised me in the morning. If that is the case, she answered sadly, I should be glad to retire. I am very tired and feel the shock of my accident painfully. The gentleman retired, and a maid came in and showed Mrs. Vance to a sleeping apartment. She locked the door and threw herself wearily across the bed. She was laboring under some strong excitement. No sleep refreshed her burning eyelids that night. At daylight, the little maid knocked at the door with a tempting breakfast arranged on a tray. The sleigh has arrived and is waiting until you have your breakfast, said she politely. Mrs. Vance bathed her face and hands, rearranged her disordered hair, and after doing full justice to the tray of viands, descended to Lance, who impatiently waited her coming. He helped her into the sleigh, took up the reins, and set off homeward. I hope you slept well, he remarked, to break the awkward silence. She turned her dark eyes up to meet his questioning glance. He saw with surprise they were hollow, languid, and sleepless, while a glance of ineffable anguish shone upon him. Could I sleep well, do you think? she inquired, in a voice full of passionate reproach. Could I sleep at all, knowing the dreadful fate which awaits me? I fail to understand you, said he, in a voice of perplexity. You cannot be so blind, Lance. You are only playing with me, she murmured sadly. Pray explain yourself, he answered. I give you my word of honor that your speech and manner simply mystify me. What dreadful fate awaits you, Mrs. Vance? She turned upon him a moment with flashing eyes, then looked down again as she answered in low, intense tones, Do you not understand, Lance, what my pride shrinks from telling you in plain terms? The bitter truth that my stay with you last night at the Dabney Hotel has irretrievably compromised my fair fame in the eyes of the carping and censorious world? She paused, and Lancelot Darling sat still and motionless like one stricken with paralysis. Oh, that is impossible, he said at last. No one knows of our accident. All New York will know it tomorrow, she said bitterly. Ill news flies apace. Tomorrow the finger of scorn will be lifted against me on every hand. Perhaps even Mr. Lawrence will turn me out of doors. The reproach and passion had died out of her voice. It was full of pathetic pity for her own sorrow. Surely it cannot be as bad as you fear, said Lance, startled and troubled. Alas, it is too sadly true, she said mournfully. What can I do to remedy your trouble, he inquired, his native chivalry rising to the surface in defense of the woman he had unwittingly injured. What can a man do in such cases, she asked, in a low and meaning tone. Mary, I suppose, he said, after a long hesitation. Yes, she answered, quietly. Silence fell for the space of a few moments. Lance drove on mechanically, drawing his breath hard like a hunted animal. He roused himself at last and spoke in a cold, constrained, unnatural tone. Then I will marry you, Mrs. Vance, he said. I cannot promise to love you, nay, I can hardly give you the respect I would think the natural due of some other woman. But since I have injured your honor, I will give you the shelter of my name. Thanks. A thousand thanks, she murmured. That concludes this week's installment of The Bride of the Tomb. This production of The Bride of the Tomb features the voice talents of Laura Bang and Damien Katz. Chris Hallberg voices the intro and outro narratives. The theme music is The Guava Rag by Brett Donnelly. Midi Storytime in the Spare Chains Library produced by Lancelot Darling and Friends. This podcast is brought to you by DimeNovels.org, the Edward T. LeBlanc Memorial Dime Novel Bibliography.